Today we have baptized little children. Today we also recognize another one of our fine couples who have been blessed through many years of marriage together. And like Elder Jim Brown and his wife Mary, please to stand. Jimmy, Mary. Today, 50 years of married life together. We extend our congratulations to you both. We've had a lot of couples recently, 50, 60 years. How blessed we are. How many wonderful people comprise Bakerstown Church. God has been very good to all of us. Join with me now as you follow along as we read Deuteronomy, the first chapter, beginning at the 26th verse. Moses speaking. Yet you would not go up, but rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. And you murmured in your tents, and said, Because the Lord hated us, he has brought us forth out of the land of Egypt to give us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Whither are we going up? Our brethren have made our hearts melt, saying, The people are greater and taller than we. The cities are great and fortified up to heaven. And moreover, we have seen the sons of the Anakim there. Then I said to you, Do not be in dread or afraid of them. The Lord your God who goes before you will himself fight for you just as he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. And in the wilderness where you have seen how the Lord your God bore you as a man bears his son in all the way that you went until you came to this place. Yet in spite of this word, you did not believe the Lord you, your God who went before you in the way to seek you out a place to pitch your tents in fire by night to show you by what way you should go and in the cloud by day. And the Lord heard your words and was angered. And he swore not one of these men of this evil generation shall see the good land which I swore to give to your fathers except Caleb, the son of Jephuniah. He shall see it. And to him and to his children I will give the land upon which he has trodden, because he has wholly followed the Lord. The Lord was angry with me also on your account and said, You shall not go in there. Joshua, the son of Nun, who stands before you, he shall enter. Encourage him, for he shall cause Israel to inhabit it. Moreover, your little ones, who you said would become a prey, and your children, who this day have no knowledge of good or evil, shall go in there, and to them I will give it, and they shall possess it. But as for you, turn and journey into the wilderness in the direction of the Red Sea. Amen and amen. Look on an ancient map and you'll see that it's not very far from Egypt to Canaan, a distance of only about 200 miles. In biblical times, the course could be traveled in 10 days by camel caravan. Today you can travel that same distance between those two great lands 
in two hours by automobile and in 40 minutes by airplane, but it took Moses 40 years, 40 years, to travel from Egypt to Palestine. 40 years. That's a long time. Moses, you will remember, was an individual who, in the presence of God and by God speaking to him, got an idea. He got an idea and he believed in it that he, Moses, was to lead the 600,000 men plus women, children, and animals out of the land of bondage into the promised land. He believed that idea. He believed that it was God's will that he do it. And he did it. Yes, Moses did it. It took him 40 years. But he did it. You see, Moses is the greatest example that we have that the most powerful thing in the world is an idea in the mind of a believer who believes he's doing the will of God. But he's more than that. And to pick up where we left off last week, he is also the symbol of truth and the one that can teach us that the most difficult thing in the world is to move an idea from its conception to its promised land of completion. The most powerful thing in the world is an idea in the mind of a believer who thinks that he's doing the will of God and trying to do the will of God. But the most difficult thing in the world is to move an idea from its conception to the promised land of its completion. <laughs> How are you doing with your ideas? Ideas that you think are sent from God, that you're trying to cultivate in the good soil of your soul. It's difficult to move an idea. You can't get to the promised land of completion with an idea unless first you're willing to go into the wilderness. That's what Moses had to do. He had to take his idea into the wilderness. You see, ideas are just ideas and are nothing more than something that's in the mind or the spirit of a person until you get them into the wilderness. And it's only when you put them into the wilderness do they even have a chance of making it to the promised land of completion. Just because you have an idea or talk about it, that doesn't mean it's going to reach its promised land. You have to take it into the wilderness. And you know, it's in the wilderness where so many wonderful things happen. The Israelites didn't learn the lesson for a long time, that lesson some of us still have not learned. And that is that you learn about life, not in the promised land, but in the wilderness. We go on a trip. We're so anxious to get to the destination that we don't often enjoy the trip, but it's only after we've gotten to our place of resting that we realize the joy was in the trip, not in the visit. So it is throughout life. We're so bent on some promised land out there 
that we forget the great joy, the great happinesses, the great lessons come not when we get there, but on our way there in the wilderness. Look at Israel today. That whole Judeo faith and tradition has its beginning not in what happened in Palestine, but what happened in the wilderness. The codes of laws, both religious and civil, the whole sacrificial system, the whole temple concept as they tabernacled with God, that all happened in the wilderness. Organization, cooperation, uh, who their leaders would be, not only civil but religious as well. All of these things were taught by God in the wilderness. The wilderness which came about because Moses had an idea. And he was trying to take that idea to the promised land. And he had to take it through the wilderness. But you see, it's in the wilderness where things are found. That's where we find serendipity. You know that word? It means the treasure and the happiness of finding something not sought for. Looking for one thing and finding something else. And how God uses the wildernesses to teach us about life. We've seen that in our midst in the last couple of months and especially in the last two weeks right here in this church and in this community. I can't let this opportunity pass. I'm speaking about this project which began with an idea. You see, an idea that some of us had that it was God's will to help resettle some Vietnamese in our communities. Now that idea had a hard time getting off the ground. It came up once, twice, sometimes it fell right back down again. We didn't feel badly, you know, it took Moses and God ten attempts to get the people out of the, the land of Pharaoh and allow Pharaoh to let the people go. But the idea then got into the wilderness. And especially in the last two weeks, it's been in the wilderness. And today in churches, not only at Bakerstown, but throughout Gibsonia, Valencia, and Mars, we have people whose bones are very tired, whose backs hurt, whose knees are sore, whose fingernails are dirty, and whose hands are chapped and whose spirits are full. Because something's happened to us. Yes. Because of an idea that was almost to the promised land. While it was in the wilderness, something happened to us. I saw people sacrifice. I saw people give, not only of some of their prized possessions and their money, but more importantly, their time and themselves. I saw people paint who haven't painted for years. Saw people dressed up in other than church clothes. I saw people get upset because they cared. As one person said, she even saw some miracles. That's where they happen, ladies and gentlemen, in the wilderness. Not in the promised land, in the wilderness. Let me bring you up to date. The three families, comprising 20 people, arrived yesterday by airplane. They're in their homes. They spent them last night. The homes which 
Some of you have worked very, very hard to prepare. I received a comment from Mr. Hung, the father and husband and the wife, or the husband of the family living in Bakerstown. Last night when he was asked by his sponsor if he was tired from the long trip, his mere reply in his broken English, I am too happy to be tired. Praise God. All because of an idea. An idea which hasn't hit its promised land yet. Oh no, there are going to be plenty of problems. Plenty of concerns. But an idea that has brought blessings to this community, to this church, to the Christian people of this whole area. We're not going to be the same. The spirit of ecumenicity is greater now than we've ever known it amongst our churches. All because of an idea on its way to the promised land because what has happened here in the wilderness where we struggled, tried to get organized, cooperated, cared, loved, and did beautiful things together. That's what it's all about, ladies and gentlemen. And as a pastor, I stand before you today. And those of you who helped, you know who you are. I'm justifiably proud to see many of you who have caught by the grace of God the spirit that we talk about, preach about, study about, and pray about. And you allowed that spirit of the Christ to live in our community through your life. Praise God. You can't get to the promised land unless you go through the wilderness. And how many side benefits are gained from being in the wilderness? Nor can you get to the promised land unless you climb the mountains. Climb the mountains. Moses more than once went up into the mountain. And he went in the mountain for two things. He went to the mountain to talk with God. To hear what God would have him say. To learn the laws of God. And he went to the mountain to ask God for help. He went to the mountain to pray. There are no shortcuts to the promised land, ladies and gentlemen. No shortcuts whatsoever. And above all, you'll never get to the promised land with the idea that God has given you if you try to circumvent the mountain. And I'm talking not only about Mount Sinai, but I'm talking about Mount Calvary and the Sermon of the Mount as well. If God has given you an idea, and I don't care if it has to do with church, home, business, family, and God is feeding us, raining upon us ideas every day in this very talented congregation, that idea, no matter where it comes, from God or some other source, it will never achieve the promised land of completion if you try to do it without climbing the mountain. You try to do it without going to God in the mountain to ask for his will and guidance. You're going to find that road, that promised land road detouring and going some other place than God intended it, intended it when he gave you the idea. Or if you try to go without finding time in prayer and finding the support and the strength and the authority and the power that can come only from prayer, you'll never make it because you'll wear out. You see, that's the great thing about Moses. He never lost sight of the promised land. And he did that because he never forgot the laws of God. 
You can't get to the promised land other than the Mount of Sinai. You can't get to the promised land unless you understand the teaching of Christ who died on Mount Calvary. You can't get to the promised land when you try to do it with some other teachings than the Sermon of the Mount. You can't do it. Moses never lost that faith. Moses really never lost his way. He got to the promised land, not to enter it, but he got to see it. Not only because he went into the wilderness and he climbed the mountains, but he went through the valleys. He went through the valleys, and that's the great thing in my book about Moses. You see, it's terribly difficult when you try to intercede for God in the presence of people, and you try to intercede for people in the presence of God. And that's what Moses did. And any of us who try to do that, we know that many times we find ourselves in the valley, in the valley of disappointment, in the valley of disgruntlement, in the valley of discouragement, because it's very hard, as the Bible says, to please God and to please people, even when you love them. Very difficult. And so many times you find people getting upset because they're upset at God. And when you try to intercess and try to get God to understand these people, that's trouble. And when you try to get people to understand God, that's trouble. Discouragement, disappointment. Look at poor Moses. What problem did he not have? His wife was not thrilled with his project, nor were his children. And his brother, Aaron, and his sister, Miriam, they didn't like his wife. Poor fella, he had nobody who really understood his idea, nor believed in his idea, nor thought it to be the will of God as much as did Moses. Look at his helpers. He sent out ten spies to find the land, or twelve spies, ten of them come back with a most negative, discouraging report. Only two, Caleb and Joshua, had an encouraging report. The people murmured. The people, he just couldn't satisfy them. They wanted the, the melons and the cucumbers and the leeks and the, and the onions and the garlic back, back in Egypt and didn't want the milk and the honey, which, which was right in front of them in the Promised Land. Ah. Oh. Many, the Edomites, they wouldn't allow Moses to even come through their property. He had one problem on top of another. Everybody was disgruntled and everybody was uptight. And poor Moses one day, even his nerves were about wrought to the place where when he called upon God to bring forth water, he didn't do it exactly the way God told him to do. And because of it, Moses was punished in not being allowed to enter the promised land. Moses never gave up. No matter how many people were upset with him, no matter even when God was upset with him, Moses didn't quit. And as the 23rd Psalm said, when he walked through the valley, he leaned upon the rod and the staff of God and he came out of the valley. And after 42 different encampments over a 40-year period, when Moses was 120 years old, at last he stood on Mount Pisgah on the east side of the Jordan River. And though he was not allowed to enter himself, he looked across the great Jordan to the promised land. The most powerful thing in the world is an idea. The greatest most difficult thing to do is to get that idea 
from conception to completion. But I think Moses also tells us that the most satisfying thing any person who has an idea can find is to be able someday to stand on a Mount Pisgah and to have the ability to see the promised land and to look back and to know that that idea that God gave you, that you took into the wilderness, that you took with you up into the mountain, that you walked with through the valleys, at last you can look off and see its promise coming to fruition. And you see that the fields of harvest, some have 30, some 60, some a hundredfold, because you, you, took the most powerful thing in the world and you did the most difficult thing in the world and you have the satisfaction before you die standing on a mount and saying we did this together God and myself praise God for the opportunities he gives us to help him to do his will and remember it comes to each one of us the same way with a single idea that he wants us to take with his help to the promised land happy traveling folks the field is white on the harvest praise God Father, you've blessed us so much. You've given us so much. Father, help us as we return these gifts in new faith, in new power, in new understanding as we help you build our world. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of his Holy Spirit be and abide with you all now and forevermore. Amen.